to the Screaming Pods Network. Welcome. We must search for what is truth. You doubt me. Seek truth. What is truth? And what is God? The first duty is to the truth, whether it's scientific truth or historical truth or personal truth. Then here is the proof you seek. You don't really want an answer to that question. I arrived in Tulsa, Oklahoma in the year 2000 for an internship working for a recording studio. My brother lived down there and offered me a place to crash. Our old friend from high school was a youth pastor at Believer's Church, so it was a no-brainer that it would become our church while I was down there. I remember walking toward the sanctuary after bullshitting around with donuts and coffee. I could hear music pulsing, so we made our way to our seats. Michael Gunger had taken the stage and was leading an auditorium full of churchgoers in worship. Everyone was singing how they were a friend of God. In my small town church, worship was always a bit of an afterthought. But here, at Believer's Church, it was an experience. Tears welled up in my eyes, and for the first time in my life, I was involved in true, anointed worship. God was here, and He was our friend. My stint in Tulsa was brief. I spent only a few years there, but Michael Gunger's worship stuck with me. His ministry career skyrocketed after that. I remember seeing him on the TVs in the TBN station I worked for, leading thousands of screaming people in worship for a battle cry event of some sort. He was doing it, reaching thousands and even millions of people for Jesus Christ. As I continued on my journey to marriage and family, I'd always kept tabs on where Michael Gunger's music was taking him. He eventually formed Gunger with his wife Lisa, and their music began to evolve away from the standard worship style I had become familiar with. Brother Moon, shine down your light on us tonight. Show us the love of God. This was most evident with her 2013 album, I Am Mountain. The smartest men they saw a world with Corners and endings Far, far, far away When they drew it out and searched it They were In 2013, I was a year into my deconstruction. At the time, I really had no idea what the hell to call it. I thought I was going crazy. I'm not sure if I was in my atheist phase <laughs> or my agnostic phase, but I had shelved Gunger with all the other Christian music that I just couldn't listen to anymore. But something about I Am Mountain moved me. Something had changed. In 2014, Michael would shock their Christian following by challenging the very existence of God and the inerrancy of God's Word. Angry comments were fiercely typed, articles were written, Christian Twitter was in an uproar. Me? I immediately fell back in love with Gunger. There are things that we lost when we got what we wanted, the light and the shadows are haunting me When we built up the walls We were building a prison Wars One are the bars that are holding us in 
Navigating through the waters of a career turned upside down and a new daughter with special needs, Michael and Lisa Gunger used these experiences to craft their most important work yet. Through the podcast, The Liturgist, and through a triple album, One Wild Life, now condensed into one full album on iTunes, Michael and Lisa Gunger were creating art that was thought-provoking and challenging. Not an easy pill to swallow in the fundamentalist world, but I was eating it up. This new direction would prove to be a test to their career, but as with most deconstruction, I believe that we can't fulfill our truest potential if we don't burn down our cathedrals and rebuild our lives with what has survived the flames. Every black life matters, every woman matters, every soldier matters. All the unborn matter Every gay life matters Fundamentalists matter Here's to life and all its branches I'm Sean DeRager and welcome to the Armchair Philosopher. With me right now is uh, is Michael Gunger, of course, the, the group Gunger, and the liturgists. And Michael, thank you so much for talking to me today on The Armchair Philosopher. Sure. Thanks for having me. Nice to be here. It's, uh, it's interesting kind of how our paths have crossed. I used to live in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I actually went to Believer's Church when you were the worship pastor there. Whoa. <laughs> And I went wow. to yeah, and I went to high school with Jason Jackson, who was the youth pastor yeah. uh, at Believers. So, wow, what is he doing? Do you know what? Like, what's he doing now? Yeah, he's one of those guys, man. I've been, I, I need to reconnect. It's kind of this month has been weird because I've been kind of crossing paths with people from Tulsa. I was just at a a metal show last night, <laughs> seeing the band The Agony nice. Scene, and uh, they they were from Tulsa, and it was reconnecting, and also like all these memories of Tulsa are coming through my head, you know, just just the, from yesterday till today, and and then setting this up and cause, uh, talking to you, and that's originally how I initially we never actually I don't think we ever actually met, um, and but I did meet your brother uh, who's in the Brilliance, and I we mm-hmm. uh, we've had coffee and stuff like that. But we've are in we've you know that's uh, how Tulsa is like everyone kind of. If you're in the Christian circles and especially uh, with these churches, everyone kind of crosses paths and, and things like that. So it's uh, Tulsa is a very interesting town as far as uh, as far as that goes. So yeah, um, I wanted to kind of start things off and because I've I'd, I'd always followed your music. Uh, I bought my mom like one of your early worship albums. <laughs> I remember doing that. So trying to get her into <clears throat> into some better worship music, and I knew she would like that. And uh, and, uh, but, um, <laughs> when I was starting to go through kind of my deconstruction of my Christian foundation, uh, worship music, I was like, pushed it all away. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was talking to Derek Webb, I kind of lumped him into that category as well, just because of my own hangups with music and everything. And I didn't mm-hmm. realize if I would have just listened to his, to his lyrics, I would have realized that there was something <laughs> more there. And mm-hmm. Kind of the same with once I've started revisiting your guys' music, there was something more there as well. And uh, and then I heard you were starting the liturgists and you had kind of began your own deconstruction eventually. And I was wondering what was the kind of your catalyst to, I guess, being more vocal about it? Because I think we're all on a journey uh, in in a sense with all this. But what was your what was kind of the catalyst that you were like, you know what, I'm I need to actually step out and be a little more vocal about what I'm going through? I mean, I was always pretty vocal about it. I yeah. saw so many um, people in the church world that had lived one way and believed another or or had had their shadow selves revealed for them at some point and mm-hmm. the, the, the effect was complete ruin and utter devastation for them and everybody around them, whether those were all the people that I, the pastors that I had met and known that had sexual 
stuff happen or um you know we do the from believer church for a while rented that building from carlton pearson Mm -hmm. who he came i guess he wasn't in the closet about it about his beliefs about hell and universalism and stuff but i saw what happened to him i guess that's not pertinent to what i'm saying because i'm saying (laughs) i'm kind of i but i i respected him for that even though i disagreed with him at that point Mm -hmm. i thought that versus so many people that had had like this secret way of being the secret life and and in little ways too i'd seen in the christian music industry touring with big bands that we would play a club and it was a christian night so we would have no alcohol at the bar (laughs) <laughs> but then all the band members would be plastered. Right. And I'm like, what are we, why are we saying no alcohol at the bar if the band is all <laughs> plastered? <laughs> um, and it's just like the optics. And the, and I was like, I'm just not interested in living this life on any level where yeah. you think uh, that you, my listener, my friends, my church, my anybody think that I'm something and I have to now live this life my whole life according to that even if that makes me more money if that makes makes me more popular makes me whatever I, it's a false self that's eventually going to crumble i'm not going to be able to live up to it for my whole life so i'm like why bother yeah um so that was just always why bother trying to be somebody else i'm not going to be very good at it um <laughs> so uh, from our you know we always sang about doubt even in our early worship stuff and because that was there for me um that wasn't i've had people like when i was going through my deconstruction like is this just are you just trying to be cool is this like it's so cool to doubt god <laughs> it's like god no this is the worst this is the worst thing i yeah. i don't want to lose my i don't want to lose my identity and my sense of security and my sense of belonging and meaning mm-hmm. are you kidding me why would i want to lose that i'm trying to uh find what's true and good and beautiful and a lot of what i've been handed doesn't match up it doesn't go together and i don't know how to get it to fit together so i was always i feel like wrote about it very explicitly in our music and was always free to talk about it um for some reason people didn't believe me or something (laughs) no and that's and that's the interesting thing like especially when i in my conversation with, with Derek webb and everything it's just like people still kind of put that the christian moniker on you and the music and it's like, are you guys even listening? I mean, I, I wasn't because I was just I needed to kind of step away uh-huh. from all that. And um, so I didn't even want to take the time to listen. But it's interesting how people in those circles, because they'll go to the concerts and they're just like, uh, you know, the Gunger concerts are just like the most spiritual thing I've ever been, <laughs> been to, you know. And I mean, that and to me, I'm like, that's like that's the power of music. But um, but in all that, like wrestling with doubt and everything if you're an honest musician an honest writer songwriter even conversationalist like uh the 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 being open and honest about that that doubt is super important and i i hit all that away for so long until i couldn't just i couldn't do it anymore and it was like insanely frightening for me to even step out and and do that what was your kind of support system like what what did i mean i'm i'm if you've been wrestling with with the music and, and using your music to kind of parse some things, I'm sure that your wife was in on it, uh, in on your struggle. Like she understood. Was there some mm-hmm. process? Did you guys butt heads at all when you're parsing this out with her? I know. I mean, I'm, I bring this up because my wife and I had a really rough go of it mm. when I was finally being open and honest about yeah. my doubt and, and struggles. We, she had seen so much of the same stuff that I had. So mm-hmm. we, had had so many conversations through the years questioning starting with evolution and then, you know, the gay issue and the, um, sort of there was always like those gateway deconstruction mm-hmm. conversations. Yeah. Um, yeah. and the, the, the literal interpretations of the Bible. And then what about the old Testament? Is that, whatever yeah so you guys are pulling on the string she was part of all that together (laughs) but until but then i made a big jump 
mm-hmm. from where we had been when I told her, you know, I don't think I believe in God anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so that one, and I told her fairly casually because to me it was just part of the same thing that we had been talking about. Right. Um, and she, that freaked her out. And yeah. she wondered if, if uh, we would make it. Mm-hmm. And she she kept it pretty cool with me. I mean, I didn't know how freaked out she was, um, yeah. but found out later that you know maybe that wasn't maybe that <laughs> was a little too cash. <laughs> my, mine mine was uh, the literal resurrection of Jesus uh, when it, yeah, my, when yeah, my yeah. wife and I were in conversation. I was like, well, maybe it really didn't happen. Maybe it didn't really, you know. <laughs> I, was, I was like, maybe I should have said that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how you say it's one thing but i think saying it is better than not saying it and holding on to that for years and having this uh, my friend mike from the podcast is yeah. he tried to keep in the closet for years about it and it didn't go well yeah for him or for anybody i mean it just created this horrible suffering for everybody yeah um so i don't know sometimes you just got to rip the band-aid off <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of how i feel and that's that's then that's <laughs> You know, what I initially did was I, you know, I didn't really deconstruct piece by piece. I was just like, I burned it down to the ground. And I was like, yeah, uh, maybe I'll rebuild this someday. But, uh, you know, light the house on fire with gasoline and just walk away and kind of, you know, go from there. And and that was my struggle. And it was and that was that was, I think, a harder road. And I feel like I feel like I've seen, especially in the past five years, uh, a lot more people being vocal about kind of their deconstruction and I always put deconstruction in quotes because it's becoming one of those words that's like, yeah, you know, uh, yep. the hip, the hip word to say, you know, but, uh, but, but whatever it, it is what it is. And, and people have, I feel like everyone has to do that, but everyone has their own way. And I kind of went the harder way by kind of just embracing atheism. And then maybe I'll go from there if people can convince me or if I can read certain things, but yeah. I'd been chipping away to for so long that it was just like, I had to just do that. So how do you, how have you seen uh, in the past, like five years or so since you've, uh, I mean, Liturgist is on, how many years have you guys been doing that? Three or longer, two? Uh, five, we, I met Mike in 2013 and we started it in probably early 2014. So probably okay. a little over four years. Okay. All right. But yeah. maybe the pod, the podcast might only have three years. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's all these spaces now. There's the ex-evangelical uh, space. There's, I mean, liturgists where you guys have a community of people kind of parsing things together. Uh, and for me, when I deconstructed that, that wasn't a, around or I didn't know about it. So I started yeah. this podcast. This is my way of just talking yeah, to yeah. myself <laughs> and, and, and dealing with, with the stuff. Um, how have you seen kind of more safe spaces kind of grow and, uh, ha- has it been a positive thing in your mind, uh, to see people oh, being man. able to gather? Yeah, and we hear so many stories, and I've had people tell me, like, because of this podcast for them, they didn't have to experience what mm-hmm. I experienced with, to me, questioning my beliefs was jumping into a lonely abyss that was like, okay, I'm just going to have to, like, lose everybody and everything, <laughs> I guess. Right. Um and feel like a crazy person and have my friends or my books and my <laughs> my thoughts. Um, and so, yeah, when I met Mike, it was immediately like, oh, just water <laughs> for my soul. I'm not alone. Oh, my yeah. God, I'm not alone. Um, and we hear so many stories of how the work and the conversations that we've hosted and people coming around um that they've been able to ask questions and about about their fundamental assumptions about reality and question their tribe and whatever and not have to feel totally alone. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing to me. Yeah. That's one of the most satisfying um, stories about our work is that that's a big part of why we did it in the first place. That's why we started everything um, was to not feel alone and to help other people not feel alone and, and questioning their, their tribe and their sense mm-hmm. of belonging and identity. And that's scary stuff. 
to do by yourself. So I think that's amazing. I think that the internet has provided, um, I think that's part of why you're hearing so many more people and stories today. Uh, people can ask questions more safely Mm -hmm. than they used to be able to, because there really is a way that they can connect with other people and be heard and be understood and still feel some sort of community. Even if it's a social media, online podcast, whatever it is, it's not as good as face to face, but it's something. Yeah. (laughs) It's something that there's, there's other people that, that are going through the same thing as you. Yeah. Do you, do you ever feel, do you ever fear that, uh, the whole, like the whole ex-evangelical thing and all that could become its own separate thing, <laughs> like another group, you know what I mean? Like another oh, I'm sure it will. organization. I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, uh, well, I think that the way that, uh, I don't know if you know much, have you heard of spiral dynamics at yes. all? Yeah. yeah. Um, but the, the way usually that, that people have evolved historically you kind of move from group the individual moves out of the group and then Mm -hmm. eventually individuals find a new group and Mm -hmm. then you move out like it's kind of this circle and usually the groups get more nuanced and sophisticated in their complexity because they're bigger groups you're dealing with a tribe and then like a nation then like a globe and then um so it's getting the sense of us gets bigger, but there's, I'm not concerned about, um, I think people that legitimately deconstruct the harmful elements of their religion, like the authoritarianism and the, the foolish hierarchy that has no merit in its own other than its own claims. And like, if you've actually deconstructed all that stuff, I don't know how you would fall for it again with new clothes on. Um, (laughs) It has to evolve, and I don't. Not that those that it won't. I think it will evolve into new groups. Um, we're social animals, and yeah. I think it's good. It's good to evolve into new groups. Yeah. But hopefully, if somebody has meaningfully and thoroughly deconstructed what was harmful about where they came out, came from, um, they'll see through the mistakes that would make another group have those same tendencies. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe yeah. that's too idealistic. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it, it's, uh, I've seen it, as, I've seen it as a, as a positive thing, but I'm always, you know, my, my nature is always, once a group starts getting bigger, I start getting <laughs> a little more nervous, giving it a little side eye nervous. and like, there's too many yeah, people. Of course. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, yeah, absolutely. But, but, but you guys have been doing something, um, with your liturgist gatherings and, uh, I wanted to go last year. I wasn't able to make it because of, uh, uh, family and kids i couldn't uh, get i couldn't get someone to watch the kids for a couple of days so um but uh but that i feel like those groups meeting in person seems to be a, the next step that's that's needed and i feel like uh I, I, I feel like the more that happens the more people talk face to face rather than conversations online and twitter and, and facebook because there's only so much nuance you can get through text talking text and everything <laughs> And uh, how have you seen the liturgist gatherings kind of grow since you guys started? Mm-hmm. Would... Yeah, those are those are great, and and a big part of we always wanted to find ways, and we still want to find more ways of getting face to face. The the you're not alone thing has a has a ceiling online. Like you're right, looking at text on your phone, it is it can be nice, and there can be a solidarity. And knowing there are these theoretical people out there that are with me, um, but there's it's a different mm-hmm. feeling to see somebody's eyes and to look at you without judgment when you tell them what your your big secret is, or when right. you tell them the big struggle that you've been having, and they just smile at you and say, "Wow, yeah, I've been feeling the same." And you're like, "Oh my god!" It just <laughs> does something. Um, so those those have been powerful, and we can want to do more and more of those. Um, I do, if I could go back yeah. to one other thing that we were talking about before with with more, with this group of ex-evangelicals, ex-fundamentalists, whatever, mm-hmm. growing. Um, my guess is that you'll start seeing more deconstruction clothing 
for the sake <laughs> of relation relating to this yeah. massive it's the it's not only a massive group of people um it's a growing group of people yeah. it's the the nuns and the duns and the people that are like uh, especially post trump and it's just this numbers are, are skyrocketing yeah. of people they're like i'm done with this yeah. bullshit um and i think you'll start seeing more cool church conferences that uh the guy in front he's probably still going to be a guy (laughs) 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 but um that you know like starting to use some of the language starting to like here's some here's some scriptures about like wrestling with the bible and like It'll it'll be the clothing, but not the the real thing. If that makes any sense, yeah, I, I know. I, <laughs> well, that's where my cynicism comes in because I've seen this stuff happen, and I'm always like, "Man, where's the where's the evangelical music industry?" You know what I mean? It's just like my my yeah. brain. I, I wish I could turn that off. Honestly, I really wish I could turn this, <laughs> the cynicism off because um because it's just it it just causes so much grief, you know. And and my wife, whenever I start talking about this stuff, my wife will just roll her eyes and just be like. Oh, can't you just be positive about something? And I'm like, well, most of the time I am <laughs> just, I think I, I've seen, I've seen this stuff before, but, uh, no, man, the, um, no, community is good. And it's, it's it, and, and, and I guess that's the baggage that comes along with, you know, mass groups coming together and everything. And, and it's, it's been from me feeling all alone to all of a sudden seeing all this legitimate, you know, discussion and, and even debate and, podcasts and 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 even you know carlton pearson's story being on a you know a a movie on netflix like like i feel like i wouldn't have seen that a few years back and it's just seeing it it grow has been has been kind of healing for me because Uh because i i just remember just wanting all these questions to just go away i just want to it's 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 cliche now to bring up the matrix but um it's just like you know uh take the whatever red pill blue pill whatever one mm-hmm. and, and just forget you know that all this construct is here just just go back to just believing uh in this mm-hmm. nice safe existence that everyone around me believed in and then that would eliminate so much stress and maybe gray hairs <laughs> <You know? laughs> but did, did you have I definitely any... <laughs> i definitely related to that for a long time yeah <laughs> so um did you have moments like you that we're just like man what am i doing you know do you have any i'm I'm sure you did but i'm um with everything like 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 did you ever have moments where you're like man i just want to go just sit at a desk job and just forget all this bullshit oh (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) totally absolutely 2013 and 2014 in particular yeah were uh really rough just gig after gig <clears throat> canceling mm. per- person after person misunderstanding taking things out of context or just understanding and turning their backs on us or whatever it was it was rough um and it was like and then even the stuff that the gigs that wouldn't cancel were most often the gigs that I'd get there and be like you should have canceled <laughs> because you just you just are behind the times like <laughs> you think we're somebody that we're not you're not here because we're not here because you understand and you're like cool with it you just haven't been reading the news yeah <laughs> my um so it was depressing it was uh difficult and that was all during all sorts of other stuff that we mm-hmm. had a daughter with special needs who needed heart surgeries and bunch of drama at our home church and we had a friend die and uh, mm. it was it was crazy it was just like a ho- horrible hellscape of circumstances um but it was incredibly important yeah for our journey and uh wouldn't take any of it back at this yeah. point um yeah because it it was the fire that burned away uh, what needed to be burned away right. and um, it was incredibly painful <laughs> <laughs> well I mean that, and it's it's amazing how life is 
you know, with, with my story, with our, our family, my, my brother-in-law, the, one of the main catalysts for me was my brother-in-law passing away in, in a, in a car accident, Oof. uh, when he was 25. And, wow. um, and that was the, that was a huge thing for our family and our family's never like the, the family as a whole, my in-laws and everything like there's never fully recovered. There's still that piece missing, but through all that pain, they've been able to build a nonprofit, uh, be involved in, uh, in, 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 in help groups with people who are dealing with grief and grief groups and things like that. And they've been able to use that story and their journey to help others. And I feel like that's what you guys, and that's what, and that's how you guys have, have pushed this along with your own journey. And it's, you know, the song about your daughter is just incredible. I'm moved to tears almost every time I hear it because there's that, mm. that parental love that someone has for, for their child, no matter who they are, um, no matter what their what 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 needs they have, you know, uh, you know, your your daughter has Down syndrome. I have a cousin who has uh, Down syndrome, so I I connect with that, and I connect. I almost mm-hmm. connected deeper with my uncle and aunt, and kind of uh, kind of saw things from their perspective a little bit more too, because they had, you know, the same mm-hmm. kind of things that you guys deal with as as parents of a special needs child. Um, my son has hemophilia, so we've had, you know, we have to, we, we have that thing that we're, we deal with on a daily basis, you know? Um, mm-hmm. so like that song really like, uh, you guys using that and uh, into that song was, is very healing for people. And, um, and me myself, like even, even the liturgist podcast, there's been, I don't, I don't know if you guys try to make people cry every episode, <laughs> but damn it. It's like every time I'm like, I'm sitting at my desk. I'm like, Oh, here we go. Why? <laughs> but it's like, we don't intentionally, but that's nice to hear. <laughs> but it, but there's, there's healing. And it's, it's just, it's, it's weird to think about, but there is that healing through pain, through people sharing their pain, their struggles. And, and, and all of us, you know, we're all these bundles of, of, uh, David Bazan said it way better. I'm, I'm missing, misquoting him, but he said, we're all just these, you know, bundles of just, uh, of not, not depression, but just pain, you know, hmm. all moving through life together. And when you, when you start seeing other people and, and, and talking and like, there's healing once you open yourself up to that. And, 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 and the way you guys have done that through all of your platforms, you know, has been really incredible to see you guys do that. And it's and it, it can't be an easy thing to do because you have to revisit that pain every so often, you know, to to either cover a subject or um do you do you find yourself uh I mean it when it comes up, do you try to avoid certain things, certain conversations? She's like, oh man, it's gonna bring up this well of uh of pain in my life, or do you kind of embrace those conversations? How do you how do you handle that when when these types of topics come up. So for me, all the, but when I said I wouldn't take any of it back, I'm kind of speaking from a different place than, um, than circumstances. So Mm -hmm. like, of course, that's not to say I wouldn't want our friend to not have died or, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, or that I, that I would want people to have suffered or us to have suffered. It's not to say that I want that thing, right. those things to have happened. It, But it is to say that what happened through those things was it, it, it got too much to cling to. It mm-hmm. was too much. I couldn't cling to the stories about what my life should be mm-hmm. anymore. Um, or I couldn't get out of bed. It just was like, is that simple for me to get out of bed and to feed my kids who need food this morning? I have to let go of these stories. Yeah. That it's one or the other. I'm going to lay in bed, paralyzed <laughs> with depression mm-hmm. and fear and whatever, or I'm just going to like let go of that and be here in this moment where the Cheerios need to be poured. Right. And... um that day by day by day by day taught me to live differently. It taught me to, um, how my suffering was tied to my clinging 
to these stories, to my attachments, to what should be, what the world should be rather than what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- what should be is only a story. And that's something that exists in my brain. And the Cheerios exist right here and right now. <laughs> and, the, and the little girl that's asking for breakfast. Right. And um, so all of that was the most important. It was like the pinnacle of spiritual work, if you want to call it work, whatever, mm-hmm. in, in my whole life. All this, like, that's why I called it the fire that burned away my ability to cling to it. And um, so now, no, any of those, sto- any stories that bring up pain, uh, I mean, it's pretty thoroughly, all of it's pretty thoroughly processed that I know of at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, actually this a few months ago I had Hillary from the podcast um, had done some EMDR stuff on Mike which is like this weird follow my fingers <laughs> and your your brain's gonna connect these hemispheres and and as you think about that it's, it's really weird <laughs> voodoo shit but it, it I saw what it did with Mike and I was like what what is that <laughs> And I tried to get her to do it to me. And this was kind of early on in our relationship. She's like, I don't understand. I don't like have a firm enough grasp of you to know what you're <laughs> going to do with that. So I was like, fine, I'll find somebody else. Um, <laughs> so I immediately went and found a different therapist. <laughs> D- this, don't make this. There's no drama with me. Don't worry about this. We laugh about it. Um, and she has since volunteered. Like, if you ever wanted, I'm happy to do it. But I found a therapist that did the EMDR okay. to purposefully say, is there anything any of these stories that are being trapped anywhere in my body. Mm. Cause I can't, uh, that bring up things that I'm not aware of. And I, there were a couple that she found that are just linked memories that you had, like she was saying, like they get tied together. So this memory gets tied to this thing that happened when you were eight, which is tied uh. to this thing. And, um, and sometimes your body holds on to that stuff. Not even that you're thinking about that. It's just something your body holds on. That promoter canceling is tied to my dad telling me that I didn't do a good job on that test in eighth grade. You know, I'm just making something right, up. Right, right, right. Um, and anyway, so, and then EMDR breaks some of those, cuts some of those strings. Um, and so, no, I, I, I enjoy... Um, when the experiences that I've had can then can create solidarity for people, can give people a sense of not aloneness, a sense of uh, hope, a sense of um, presence within the storm of all that, and be it was too much pain to not. Uh, learn how to handle it differently. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. Yeah. 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 You know, so man, I need to, I've, I've always, uh, I've always wanted, I, I feel like I'm, I'm the kind of person I have those linked memories and it's like, I need to mm-hmm. find a therapist to kind of unravel some of that stuff because, uh, mm-hmm. when you're when talking about that stuff, like it, it's so true how it's, it's, uh, things like relating to you know parents like that's that's me like there's certain things that remind me of you know like I'll be I don't know uh showing my kid how to throw a baseball and he's not really that into sports and <laughs> when I was younger when I was a kid I, my dad told me stop throwing like a girl <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah and uh, so I'll be like out there and all of a sudden that like I hadn't thought about that in years pops into my head and I'm like I need okay you know I need to uh, never say anything like that and just work with him on <laughs> yeah, seriously. So I, I'm like, I'm not a sports guy anyway. So I'm like, I'm just, you know, I'm like this wannabe, like just trying to be like just this dad, you know, oh, this, is, this is what the dads are supposed to do. So let's throw this ball back and forth, you know, but, uh, but that, no, that's, that's, uh, that's very interesting. Um, and I've always, I've always said therapy is important and, and I need, I need to, at this point, I think I'm, I've been scared of it and mm-hmm. not wanting to, bring all that up to the surface. Um, but yeah. it comes out in like the weirdest times, like my wife and I'll be in a, yeah. like in an argument and like, you know, just 
it's just this this uh, trauma will just come out and, you know, and I won't even know why I'm upset. And we finally she becomes my therapist you know, and yeah. you know, we, we ratchet, ratchet through some things. And but um, but you're, yeah, I mean, when, you're, when it just becomes painfully obvious, like this isn't about <laughs> the chicken for right, dinner or whatever, yes. like this is there's something else going on here. There's some right. strings. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, you know. <laughs> She's been a trooper, but uh, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't want to force that on her. You know, there's probably, there's probably more trauma in there that I need to get out. But um, so how, so you, you guys talk about therapy. I mean, you obviously, you know, Hillary on on the podcast. Uh, she's fantastic, by the way. You're this, this season of bringing these, you know, two more people in on, on the podcast and the discussion has just been wonderful. Okay. And, and Hillary's perspective is, is, is so great. And, um, how have you like through because you've you, you've you've gone through you know you've done therapy you have you know, and uh obviously like i can tell based on when i first started kind of reconnecting with with gunger and your music and your podcast and how you've dealt with people online and and and, and talk back and forth and uh you obviously seem more um you have more of a center now i think especially with online conversations uh, there was one recently <laughs> where where you were going back and forth um, with, uh, and it's actually an acquaintance of mine. He's uh, he has a podcast on our podcast network. <laughs> and he, had, <laughs> he took some offense to uh, one of your uh, your, your um, you had to two part podcast, <laughs> and uh, you were inter- interviewing like a Catholic theologian. I totally forget the name, but he took oh, yeah. offense to what the theologian had said, and that you guys didn't, you know, confront him on it. And um, yeah, and I and and I get that in a sense, but I'm like. Um, but I would, I don't know how I would react in that, you know, interview either, because I'm the, I'm almost the same way. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not combative and I'll kind of let things go. And then I'll later thinking it back or listening back, I'll be like, God damn it. I should have said something. And, and that's me, <laughs> but you know, it just, the, he obviously was very passionate about it and that's, and, and he's a passionate person and he, he's a really good guy, but I can, I can see this conversation on Twitter just going back and forth and I was like oh my god I was at first I was kind of following because I was intrigued oh, okay to see how they respond you know what I mean uh-huh. and then it was just like oh my god <clears throat> this is just going on all day and 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 I was kind of waiting for you to kind of throw down a gauntlet or something like that but you handled it with I think the only way somebody could have through text like it was just we obviously disagree here and you did the, you know, like prayer hands <laughs> and it was just like, <laughs> you know, um, because the, there was being, I don't, it's just so hard to really dialogue like that, you know, through, through Twitter. And, yeah. uh, in the past I've, I, I'd seen you, you know, um, interact differently <laughs> with people. How, how, what was the, what was the, the, how did you kind of get to this point? Was it just trial and error or I mean, you said your journey has been this kind of roller coaster ride, you know, through atheism, through mysticism. Uh, how has all that? Where this is a long-winded question for me to, to say, like, how have you gone through all this, and where are you at now? Or you feel more centered now? Uh, with deconstruction, I always like reconstruction. I feel like for me is always going to be going on. Um, I, there's no no end point, and I've accepted that. How have you, uh, I guess, approached? your journey through all this? Um, So the last bit of major deconstruction work for me um, after my religious deconstruction, which now in retrospect, I see that this was all the same deconstruction. Mm-hmm. It wasn't actually ever about religion. That It wasn't ever about God or anything out there. It was about myself. It was mm-hmm. about um, me needing to know. It was about me needing to be competent to have enough expertise, to have enough knowledge, to have enough skill, whatever it was, um, to be okay. Mm. To be whatever that at the bottom uh, 
sense of okay or not okay, you know, and I think we all have often that sense of, uh, not okay. Something's not okay. It needs, something needs to be different than this. And, um, and for me that took that infleshed itself with religion. And I remember uh, so much shame. I just always was, and I was a good kid, mm-hmm. but just always so much shame. I wasn't good enough. You know, it's not like I was doing, um, so I just constantly repenting under my voice. I can remember <laughs> just always just, I'm so sorry, God, I'm sorry. Yeah. Just always like, um, never good enough. And why can't I stop masturbating for good? Why can't I, <laughs> Um, not want to, why can't I like get rid of my sexual attraction for girls? Why can't I not that get rid of it entirely, but until I'm married, why can't I just right. shut this down? Just bring my wife. Why so I don't have to I, sit anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, why can't, whatever it was, why can't I love reading the Bible more than I do? Even though I read it every day, I can't just so much. I'm sorry. It's just, this not okay. And then as I started to question all those things and and eventually as that culminated in letting go of God, I didn't have to repent under my breath for the first time in my life, (laughs) like all day long. And that was amazing. But there was still, it it crept back up. There would be ways that's like, well, I still don't feel okay. I'm still not, um, but it wasn't, it was a letting go of my religion was huge. It was a big letting go moment. Um, but where it kept going is still more that it would come back to that same ego shape of, I need the right knowledge, the right, um, way of seeing the right way of being whatever, so that I can become this person, this, this phantom idea of a person who is okay. Mm -hmm. And, um, And that is what finally had to go. And that, um, through the mysticism, through the atheism, through all that stuff, the pain was wearing away at that major foundational story of there's this illusory person in my head that I'm supposed to be. And I think I can be that by knowing the right things. And that's for, that's what's been really helpful for me about the Enneagram, seeing the specific shapes that egos take like that. That's, that's the wound of my particular ego story. Um, and that's the way that I try to be okay. Other people like my wife is a two on the Enneagram. She finds that through other people. She finds like that sense of ego, that sense of I can be okay. I can be a real separate, okay person. Um, and that's related more through, it's not so much like, I can be competent with my own thoughts to understand and parse everything. Um, that's, it's more relational for her. So everybody it's different like this, but it's Mm -hmm. that ego thing. It's the, it's the ego wound. That's the prime sense of identity for all of us. And, um, so letting that go piece by piece by piece, day by day by day by day, um, of my clinging to that. Eventually there was, there was some, experiences that I had sort of peak experiences where I can remember something kind of like snapping or, or, um, a new part of the world fell away and I had a new clarity. Um, and the last one of those for me was, uh, last year in Tokyo. Was that last year? No, it was like six months ago. Um, I guess it was like January of this year of 18. And, yeah, and uh, it's kind of difficult to talk about what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's freedom, but it's the. It felt at that point like there was some sort of coil in my brain that had already. It had already so much of that had been let go, but there was like there had been this other one little snag, ego snag that kept coming back. Um in relationship to the idea of being free and like, am I free? And that question alone, it was another like (laughs) snag. Um, 
And so then that finally just went, and I felt it go, like a <laughs> rubber band broke. And it was gone. So, um, I'm sorry, this is all a little esoteric, <laughs> but esoteric's it's good. <laughs> that's, um, I don't have an, <laughs> say this, I don't cling to that ego story anymore. Mm. Right. Even saying that is not quite saying it right because to say that is to have to cling to an ego story. <laughs> In this moment, I am not clinging to that. Right. And that's what it always is. Right in this moment, am I going to cling to that? And so when I meet somebody on Twitter who um, has thoughts and suggestions or anger or whatever, uh, it used to more easily catch me up into an ego story of, but I'm right here. Mm. Or am I right here? Or I need to be right here. A lot of times it was, um, in the last few years, it, it was, I want to be right and I want to hear you. So let's, I'm going to dive in and like really get into this so I can know I'm right or not right. Um, which is the way that my ego tries to solidify itself as a real thing and as a <laughs> separate thing. Um, so I remember I, I, if I know who the, I remember one conversation <laughs> about what you're talking about. That's, it was pretty intense. Mm -hmm. And I remember like seeing how I could feel how that would be a, my part of my brain would love to like grab onto that and see, am I thinking about this? Right. Is he right? Is it? Um, but the way I see it now, like he's, he's trying to be okay. Mm hmm. And I have compassion on that. I, I feel that. And I feel a sense of connection with that. That's going back to esoteric. That's me, the ultimate all being him <laughs> wanting to be okay. Yeah. So, so that's like, I, I, there's an automatic softness to me it, that I can feel when I, when I see it that way, when I live, feel it through that story. And, um, and I am okay in this moment. There's nothing to change. There's nothing to be worried about. There's nothing to fear. So why, um, I don't need to fight him on it. I don't, mm. I can, sometimes there are fights worth having. Sometimes right. you, you got to have <laughs> fights. Um, but I don't have to anymore try to form a sense of ideal self in that. Yeah. And that's, and that's the final piece of my journey. I feel like I've been on too with, people in my life and in and, and, and these conversations is uh, I feel like that's the final piece that I'm still trying to work through, uh, especially with, with close family in, yeah. in conversations where we don't agree and it can just spiral into this. Oh, family's the toughest. Uh, this, this volleyball <laughs> match or whatever, uh, just back and forth, back and forth where we're, we both think we're right. And, uh, but letting that go, there is freedom in that and kind of, being able to walk away from a conversation knowing that, all right, I'm not going to convince this person that I'm right. They're not going to convince me that they're right. And kind of being okay with that and yeah. being able to put that aside and still love each other as as humans, as as people. And that, yeah. it took me a long time to get to that because it was, you know, all this trauma in, in my life and feeling that I had the you know, I'm reading the Bible differently now and you're re <laughs> you're reading it wrong and yeah. and finally getting to the, the point where I can put that aside and just live in because because I've I've discovered that like my relationship with God or the universe, um, I'm back to call. I'm back to saying God. Uh, we'll see what happens next month. But uh, <laughs> but, but it's like but I'm OK is personal to me. I'm OK with where I'm at. And I, it took me a long time to kind of, to finally get, be okay with that. Hmm. And then kind of, I can go from there. And, and that, you know, if you want to get the, you can use the Christian language where that, that, where the freedom in Christ is, is just being okay with the questions and the, 
and the yeah. wrestling and everything. And um, no, that's well, good, I think man. it goes back to that. I think it goes back to that. It's not about the chicken thing that we were talking about before. <laughs> when you're having these arguments, um, I was just watching Up this weekend with my my daughter had not seen it since she was like little. She's eight now, so I was like, "You don't remember Up? Let's watch it." Um, just because maybe I'll just cry for the intro. I just like crying <laughs> yeah, exactly. on that intro. Um, <laughs> but the part where the dog like has the collar and it kind of speaks for him speaks what mm-hmm. he's feeling the, the um like i wonder if you put <laughs> if there was such a thing for all of us as we f- are fighting and we're on twitter and we're on whatever and we're we're saying all these sophisticated sounding statements if you could actually <laughs> interpret if something else could actually interpret what we're really saying <laughs> <laughs> down underneath all of that i think we're just like but am i okay <laughs> yeah. but am i lovable Am right. I safe? No, but am I safe? Am I okay? No, but am I? And it's all getting clothed in all this sophistication. Yeah. And we're talking about theology and we're talking about philosophy. But at the bottom of it, it's like, mama didn't love me. Am I okay? Right. <laughs> you know? no, exactly. No, that's, that's it, man. You, you, you drill down further and further into once you, and that's why, and that's why I feel like face-to-face conversation is so important because you can get to that point because you see into the person's eyes and you can you, you can soften the blow i guess in conversations you don't because there's not the an, uh, anonymity of of social media but uh, but yeah i mean that's that's really what we all are and you know we all have perceptions of other people there's people we look up like we look up to we have perceptions of them there's people doing things you know in in the public eye and we we kind of have our own, uh, I guess, opinions of, of who they are. And, but really we're all just people trying to <laughs> try to get through this life, you know, just yeah. trying to get through this life, man, be okay. Yeah. I got to pay the rent. You know, I got to pay the rent. I got to pay the mortgage. I got a car. We, we all have this. And just, uh, when you start stripping all that away and I've been able to feel like I've been able to do that just because of just, I, you know, I toured with bands and everything like that and have conversations. And I, I was able to kind of put that to rest with people that I really looked up to just kind of, Oh, okay. We're going to hang out and have pizza right now. <laughs> you know, yeah. being able to do that kind of helped me, but there's, you know, uh, there's just so many people just in just, I I don't idolize the right word, but, but they look up to people and they kind of put a false, uh, just a false image of that, that person. And if that person doesn't live up to it, then there's a problem and, and we'll go from there. But, um, yeah. I need to start wrapping up here. I have to head back to work and, um, but I wanted to, uh, before we wrap up, uh, talk about because you you guys did a director's cut of One Wild Life, and um, you had all three of those albums on this the uh, iTunes and everything like that, and, and then you condensed it into a uh into like a director's cut uh, of the album. And I was curious, like, um, what uh did you did you have did you leave? I I don't I was a little bit confused about it. did you leave songs off and kind of put in like to a one thing or so i'm a little i'm a little <laughs> torn about it myself oh, yeah. This, yeah well so here's what happened we looked up our we went into our spotify artist account and mm-hmm. saw that beautiful things is still not only the song but the record is still just like way ahead of anything else that we've made right um and it's not like old the old crew that's just still hanging on. It's like the biggest listenerships, like 19 year old girls listening to beautiful things. <laughs> it's like, what? Um, and I like that song. I have no problem with that song or the, or the album, but I was like, we are this so much of this music that we're making now. That crowd is not going to a get it, be like it. Yeah. Um, at least like it. I don't want to say that they're not going to get it. I don't think a lot of them are going to. If you're interpreting the new work that we've been making through the beautiful things lens, you're not going to mm-hmm. understand. <laughs> you're not going to. Uh, it's not going to resonate with you. Um, so it was just a little frustrating to see. And some of the, the stuff that I think is most. Some of the best stuff we've ever made is way at the bottom of the playlist of what people are listening to. Right. And, 
And when you search for Gunger, it says, you might also like this song by Chris Tomlin. <laughs> and, and it's like, okay, this isn't working. These algorithms have yeah. Gunger in a prison that I don't know how it will get out of because it would have to be bigger than Beautiful Things to recommend other things. Mm-hmm. It would have to be, and how could it ever be bigger than Beautiful Things if it can't spread to a new audience because as soon as they try to go, what is Gunger? Here, it's Chris Tomlin, Christian music. Yeah. And anybody that likes that is not going to like what we make now. So it's like this catch 22. <laughs> um, so what we did was what if we put some of this, the, the weirder new stuff mm-hmm. on a new name that could have a chance to be its own thing. And then when we do a Gunger show, you can know that it's kind of in the spiritual vein, even if it's, I mean, as Christian as we can appear to be, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's in, at least coherent with right, the no, narrative. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I am a whale. I am a whale. I'm a whale singing that <laughs> as people come in wanting to sing beautiful things. I'm right. like, what the hell is this? <laughs> um, so that's been the idea. Like, let's put out another project with some of these weirder songs and some new stuff that's in that okay. vein. But I haven't finished that project yet because we've been so busy. Um, but I'm torn about it because it it did tear apart the trilogy a little bit. I I like the director's cut as a as a piece, but it took yeah. away some of the songs that I like that I've been thinking. Let's put this in another home, um, and that's where we've been with it. But. I, I'm bummed that it's been taking so long to finish that other project. And then there's like, do we have resources, time, energy to have a whole other brand that we can take care of? Well, (laughs) right, right. I don't know. I'm open to suggestions. (laughs) (laughs) Go to, uh, uh, gunger, gunger.com, gungermusic.com, gungermusic.com and and drop, drop Michael, uh, some suggestions, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, I, I i love the trilogy as a thing i i i listen to the direct you know the version on itunes and it's <clears throat> it all flows the, the music's beautiful i find myself getting weepy at my desk even you know it's just like it's all it all does its job and um thank you so, you, know, you know it's it's just man it's just thank you so much for for taking the time to talk with me uh, you know uh i am a huge fan but uh, keeping my composure, you know, talking to you, you know, because uh, I'm a professional <laughs> here. But um, but no, I mean, I really appreciate all that you guys do. Uh, the spaces you guys have created, uh, the podcast has been a huge uh, piece of my own journey. And hmm. uh, and I wanted to you know, thank you personally for for that, because it's uh, without that piece. I'm wondering, you know, I wonder, you know, where if I would have had certain conversations or had certain healing and certain traumatic areas of my life so uh personally i wanted to thank you and 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 lisa you know i'm gonna read her book and have her on and we'll talk about her book so i think that's yeah, that'd be great the direction that's going so i'm really excited to kind of dive into that but but thank you for coming on and, and talking to me today yeah thanks for having me it's been fun I would like to thank Michael Gunger for being my guest on this episode. Gunger's album, One Wild Life, is available on iTunes and Spotify. But personally, I adore the trilogy version consisting of soul, spirit, and body. You can grab those versions over at gungermusic.com. And I'll have links in the show notes to the vinyl, the CD, and the digital versions of these releases. Also, make sure you check out the Liturgist podcast. It definitely is one of the podcasts that uh, helped kind of move my journey from a very bitter, kind of angry view of spirituality to more of a positive and inclusive view of spirituality. And it, it really did help kind of shift my perspective and uh, and actually gave me motivation to relaunch this podcast. So I want to thank, of course, Michael Gunger. Uh, Mike McCarg, Science Mike, and uh, Lisa Gunger was a part of that first season, of course, and then William Matthews, 
and Hillary McBride. Uh, just putting, they're putting out just an incredible uh, podcast once a month, and uh, the the team that they've brought together to edit that thing and, and get it out there is just uh, it's just astounding. So make sure you check out the Liturgist podcast. Next week, I'll be talking to John Mark McMillan, and then the following week, Lisa Gunger will join me to discuss her incredible book, The Most Beautiful Thing I've Seen. Please make sure you check out that book. Grab it before we have this conversation and read it. <laughs> it's just a wonderful, wonderful book. If you have a story or perspective you'd like to share, uh, the invitation is always open. We have a hotline. You can drop a text or leave a voicemail via 951-723-5586. Again, that hotline number is 951 723 Please follow me on Twitter at the AXPX. And if you dig the show, please feel free to become a patron saint. It's only a dollar a month and you'll receive bonus material, unedited interviews. I think I'll be posting up there uh, and you'll have an opportunity to discuss each episode in a safe environment. You can also find our social media links and all back episodes over at theaxpx.com. Music on this episode by Slow Dancing Society, Candle Park Stars, and Gunger, all used by permission. I want to thank them so much for letting me use their music. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to all of you next time.